Welcome to the AccuSprout Podcast, where it's my mission to help new practitioners of Chinese medicine navigate from school to career. I'm Stacy. I'm an acupuncturist and herbalist, podcaster, coach, and creator of Magical Networks. Be sure to check out all four pillars of the podcast where I cover case studies to sharpen your clinical skills, mindset Mondays to support your mental health, new practitioner interviews to prove that you are not alone, and all things business from launching your practice to negotiating your pay if you choose to be an employee. This podcast is made possible by our sponsors. So if you would like to support the podcast, be sure to check out the sponsors page on the website to claim your special AccuSprout offers. When I first started my practice, I was actually kind of a disaster when it came to my books. I hired an accountant who actually laundered money from another client. So I went on a quest to find a bookkeeper who really tailors to and loves working with acupuncturists. And I found Sarah at Horizon West Bookkeeping, and I'm feeling pretty fortunate. Sarah offers acupuncturists and the AccuSprout community a couple different packages so that she can meet you where you are. If you're new to practice, she can come in and do what's called a QuickBooks startup package for you, where you get pretty deep discounts on QuickBooks for about four months. She sets up your chart of accounts, assists with linking your bank accounts, makes sure that all the transactions are imported, and then teaches you how to use it with two hours of one-on-one training. It's a killer deal. She also offers cleanup packages and catch-up packages. Not catch-up packages, guys. Catch-up packages. And a monthly package, which is what I use. And I find it quite affordable and so, so, so worth it because, honestly, I never, since the beginning, have been able to keep up with my bookkeeping. You can schedule a free 15-minute consultation with Sarah to make sure that you guys are the right fit for each other. And you can do that at horizonwestbookkeeping.com forward slash AccuSprout or look for the link in the show notes. Today's episode is also sponsored by Jane, an all-in-one practice management software with helpful features to power your acupuncture practice. Jane offers flexible scheduling options that match the way you work. You have the option of offering one-on-one online sessions for initial consults, meeting in person, and scheduling staggered appointments to accommodate treating patients across different treatment rooms. Jane has you covered. Keep the relaxation going with a seamless checkout experience using Jane's PCI-compliant payment solution, Jane Payments. You can collect patient credit cards securely through your intake form or at the time of booking with an online booking payment policy. This can also help reduce no-shows in your practice. It's a win-win. And Jane's unlimited SMS and email reminders can be sent automatically before each appointment as an extra layer of no-show protection. To learn more about how Jane's helpful features can help you power your acupuncture practice, head to jane.app to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their team. Or if you're ready to get started, head on over to accusprout.com forward slash Jane. And remember to use the code accusprout1mo at the time of sign up to get a one-month grace period applied to your new account. I would say that a, a really big challenge for me is navigating what often feels like two babies at once. My daughter, I'm a single mother. And so that is a full-time job. And then, you know, the job is a full-time job. And so there are moments and I've, I've gotten a lot clearer on, on how not to make myself go insane. 
be- mm-hmm. just through trial and error. But you know, there's an ever changing balance as there is with everything all the time anyway. But in my case, it was how do I fulfill the drive that I have and how do I grow my business to the scale that I know I'm capable of while being gentle with myself and being present for my child. Welcome to the Sprout Podcast, where it's my mission to create a supportive community for new practitioners of Chinese medicine, while I give you the information and inspiration to help you grow towards your vision of success in your first couple years of practice. This is Stacey Whitcomb, and I am your host. Welcome back to the podcast. In this episode, I interview Katria Deal, who had a baby and started an acupuncture practice at pretty much the same time. Well, not pretty much at the same time, but you know, close. I discovered Katria on Instagram. Yeah, I am a self-proclaimed nerd, business nerd, and I like to do things like see who's winning on Instagram. And Katria was posting content every day, and that content was really good. At the same time, I was looking to see if I could find somebody doing what I envisioned to be like the next genius business model. The pandemic really had me evaluating the standard model of clinical practice and all of the black holes in that plan that were exposed by the shutdown And for some people. I noticed that a lot of people who maybe didn't have roots were really struggling when the pandemic hit. And so my new vision of a well-balanced and a whole practice was evolving into this practice of creating multiple streams of income. How that looks depends on your own areas of genius. But of course, this Instagram Dynamo had constructed the exact business model that I was envisioning. She totally is the trifecta. In this episode, she shares her efficiency and time mindset, how she makes Instagram work for her, how she balances being a single mom with running a practice, and what her business model looks like. So there is a lot for all of us to learn here. So make your tea and hunker down for some serious inspiration. Welcome to the show, Katria. Thank you so much for having me and for that lovely introduction. <laughs> oh, no, it's 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 really fun to watch you. You do a really brilliant job on Instagram. I think people feel really awkward and don't really know what to put up. And then also have this really confusing place of how much personal versus educational versus call to action, et cetera, et cetera, do you put up? And I feel like your mix is pretty good. But let's start at the beginning. Why don't you tell the listeners where you practice, how long you've been in practice, where you graduated from, how you came to the medicine. That should take up probably half the show. (laughs) Yeah, quite a journey. Well, I went to the Midwest College of Oriental Medicine in Racine, Wisconsin. I grew up just a half an hour from there in Franklin, Wisconsin, and never knew there was an acupuncture clinic so close to me. I grew up in a family that was more geared towards natural health. I went to a chiropractor from a young age. I had acupuncture a few times in high school. So it was on my radar, but not in a big way at all. And when I when I started in college, I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I knew that I wanted to get away. So I went to UW-La Crosse and had, during the course of that year, what I call a divine intervention Google search moment that led me to the school nearby me. And so I went to school there, 
So I graduated in September of 2017, started my practice in October of 2017, and then had a baby in January of 2018. So that was the beginning trajectory of my business. Okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Because so you took all of your boards while you were in that last year. Yes. Yeah. I uh, actually, funny enough, found out that I was pregnant two days before one of my boards. So uh, it was an interesting time. Did you just wonder? I mean, did you just feel like, oh, this must be school fatigue? Because <laughs> it's, it's usually pretty exhausting. That's usually one of your first indicators. Yeah, I was probably exhausted, but I was also working harder than I had ever worked in my life. So I don't I don't remember much about my thought process at that time other than <laughs> okay, well this is happening, so I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> exactly. Okay, and then you started your practice. You started right away. I did. I was really blessed to find a an existing practitioner who had a clinic with extra space that was willing to welcome me in just basically to rent from her. So I was running everything on my own and doing, you know, just operating my own business underneath her roof, which was perfect because I knew I wanted to do things my own way. But I also really, as a new mom and, you know, knowing what the next little while of my life was going to look like, I knew I should, it would, it would be smart for me to try to minimize the overhead and the responsibility load. How did you get patients? Really? I, from the very beginning, started on social media. And like you said, that's where, that's where you found me. I, and, and that whole thing was born out of pure necessity. I was, you know, nursing a newborn and caring for a newborn and it was the middle of winter and I wasn't going to lug her out and about. And I wasn't really in a position where I was physically wanting to be out and about very much, you know, new mom situation. So I started posting on social media and everything that you said before about not knowing really anything about what you're doing. I felt all of that too. I just knew that none of the other options would work for me or they didn't seem optimal for me in that, in that moment. And I had to do something. So social media felt like the easy solution because it was something I could do in the middle of the night. It was something I could do while breastfeeding. It was something I could do in whatever pockets of spare time that I happened to have. And that was, that was what I needed. We're totally going to get into the social media thing, but I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take us like backwards a little bit. Sure. What was your, what was your business education like in school? Very minimal. Did you feel prepared? No. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say so. Not in terms of business knowledge by any means. I had, I had zero, I would say, or mm -hmm. slightly more than zero. We had one practice management class, but that was, I mean, we did create a mock business plan and it felt very, it felt very entry level, which I think it needed to be because a lot of us didn't have much background, but mm -hmm. it certainly wasn't enough. So I knew I was going to need to continue my education beyond school. And really, that's how I felt about my schooling experience in general was that it, it set a foundation and it showed me, I knew what I knew and I knew where, you know, the holes in my education were mm -hmm. and I knew where to go next. Right, right, exactly. So you were very self-aware. I, I have been told that before, yeah. 
how did you know, this is really interesting because I just did this episode on, you know, how to start a practice and it is seriously just for people who just walked out of the, the, the school door mm-hmm. and have to jump through all the hoops because it's, it's how to set up an LLC and how to find an accountant. And did you just go, well, here we go. You know, like I'm just going to keep going until I've jumped through all the hoops and I'm sure there are hoops that I'm not going to know that I need to jump through and I'll find them. And like, how is this mindset? How did you, how did you have this mindset to just go? I think that being pregnant really lit a fire under my butt. I knew not only was I going to have to support myself, but I was going to have to support a child. And so that maybe I wouldn't, well, actually almost certainly I wouldn't have been as motivated and as on the clock as I was, but also I had, I mentioned the practitioner who had the existing clinic that is where I began my practice. So I had, I had the help of her and I had the help of another acupuncturist who was my personal acupuncturist who were maybe six or seven years out of school at the time. And so they both had the experience of stepping out and having no support, which I know you've talked about in other episodes. And so they were, I was really, really fortunate that they were in a position to help me because they knew what it felt like to not get help. So whenever I had any questions about, hey, what do I need to do? Or what's the next step? I did have somewhere to turn, which was helpful. Yeah, this is key. I mean, this mm-hmm. is this is absolutely key. I think it's the the most important aspect of sink or swim is you you really have to find somebody to stand next to you and go Mm-mm. yeah no you don't need to you don't need to register as a PLLC you can register as an LLC in the state you know like you need yep. somebody standing next to you saying did you do this did you ask them this <laughs> and right. so you're so fortunate when those people show up in our lives and i just part of me really wants to inspire practitioners who are out there to start showing up for the new practitioners so if you're listening like help them out do what you can <laughs> that's my pitch <laughs> let's get back to you <laughs> i completely yeah i completely agree yeah i just love it and i love hearing that people show up, you know, like it, it's, it, it makes or breaks. And I think that that was one of the things that broke my, my practice here was that I, I moved to a town where I didn't know anybody. I tried to network and make friends and friends who were other acupuncturists. And while some of them were very kind, there was no step up. It's more of a um, scarcity mentality. I'm keeping my own clients in this town. It's very challenging. And so you, so you having people show up is just, just huge. And it's my motivation, obviously wounded healer here, (laughs) you know, like let's fix it. Let's talk about what you have going on on social media. So you're on Instagram and how are you getting patience from Instagram? I, I think that the, the, the simplest way to answer that would be to say that I just I show up and I have continued to show up over the course of the last three and a half years, day after day and month after month and doing it, even though I had no idea what I was doing and doing it consistently, even though I had no way of knowing that it was going to pay off until it did, at which point I really doubled down on it. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that, I don't know that there's necessarily a secret sauce. I mean, there are marketing strategies and things like that. But I think showing up as showing up and saying what you have to say is the foundation of social media 
attraction. I think it's actually the um, superpower of social media. And I think people really downplay it because it's not like you can walk into the office next door or the chiropractor's office that you want referrals for and go, did you know that I can treat perimenopause night sweats <laughs> and educate people on how to do that and, and engage right. them, you know? So it's, it's really a brilliant way of, of educating and sharing the knowledge of Chinese medicine in bite-sized pieces. But this is also just a very small piece of the big picture of your practice. Can you describe maybe what your practice looks like? Sure. So I have, I have an in-person clinical practice and that would be the majority of of what I do and the majority of my revenue and all of that and then there are the other facets which would be I have an online uh, membership community where I host a master class once a month on various topics related to typically my area of specialty which is women's health mental health or pediatrics so within that under that umbrella, there's lots to cover, of course. So it's, I have that and that is growing. And that was born out of the, the pandemic. That was my, it was something I sort of had on my radar already. And then the pandemic was just the perfect time to, you know, to launch that. So I have that. I do work virtually with clients as well. And that would be more, less, I would say a combination of telehealth and consulting, depending on the situation and what what the legalities would be and also what the needs are. And that is, so it's, a you know, it's, my practice is a combination of in-person and virtual offerings. And I love that because then it can be a combination of people are able to receive treatment and they're also able to have access to education that will help them really step into a more active role in their own health and healing if they should choose that. And then for the people who are less interested in that, they can receive treatment and move on with their lives if that's what they want. So I love the membership idea. This is kind of what I was talking about when I was talking about creating multiple streams of income. Yeah. I, I want to point out to the listeners that this is all just a, a really slightly accidental, slightly intentional cascade of events. Like you knew what you were doing when you set up your Instagram. And then you said earlier, you didn't no, it was going to work until it worked. And then you doubled down. So what that means is you built a following, right? Right. And or you, or, yeah, you built a following. You networked via Instagram. And then you're able to educate those people who are truly interested in the membership or even just, are you still doing one-offs with the webinars so they can just come one time if they want to? Yes. And that's actually... I. For the first six months or so of the membership, that wasn't an option. And then I revamped it and brought on a virtual assistant this year to help me manage it on the back end. And now you can you can just do a one-off, whereas before the membership was the only option. Yeah. And I so I've seen this model as well in different industries. How much is your membership now? It is $27 a month for the membership. And then a single masterclass is 36 Exactly. So you actually make the masterclass more expensive than the the membership, right? right. So it, it entices people to be like, oh, the membership was way, way worth it, especially. And you guys, I'll, I'll honestly say I went to one of her 
master classes and it was done really well. And I highly encourage you to go take a look. You guys, it's worth this 36 bucks to see how she does it. And it's professional. It's intelligent. There's some serious languaging around it. The thing about doing this is at what point is that person a patient? This is the the legal aspect and the challenge of having a webinar as a healthcare practitioner because you have to not give specific advice, but you still want to educate. How do you go about that? I always have a disclaimer at the beginning that this is this material, whatever the material will be, is for educational purposes only. Consult a physician, et cetera, et cetera. And I also I I'm mindful of what I am sharing for free on social media and what I'm sharing in like behind a paywall. Because if someone is willing to pay me for my time, there's a connection and a you know an energy transfer that happens there and they have a deeper understanding of my integrity and who I am and how I practice. And one, they're entering into an agreement with me by doing that, that you know they're signing like terms and conditions and things like that. But also they're inherently going to be less likely to sue me or report me to the board or what have you, because they're not just, you know, some troll on the internet that's looking to ruin somebody's career or whatever. So when they do sign up for a webinar, then let's call it a masterclass. Webinars are overused. Masterclass is sexier. So when they sign up for a masterclass, then do they sign an agreement? So the terms and conditions, you know, it's one of those, maybe it's a little bit of a loophole or a way in, but basically anyone who is using my website, or at least this is my understanding of it based on the research that my virtual assistant did to try to cover my butt. If you have terms and conditions on your website, by being there, someone is agreeing to those. And then also there is a separate terms and conditions now within, it's just the button that says terms and conditions that when you sign up for something, nobody usually ever clicks, but it's there. So if they, you know, if they were to come back with some kind of concern or complaint, they technically agreed to it. And that's, that's the way it's done, you know, on, on the internet all the time. So. Right. Okay. I'm curious, do you have this tracked? Like how many of these people are not your patients that come in and turn into your patients? What's your conversion rate? In terms of people in the online community that become my patients? Yeah. I just see this as people don't really understand acupuncture. You're creating relationships with them by doing these masterclasses. They're coming in, they're seeing you talk, they're getting comfortable with your presentation, with your intelligence, with your manner. And Mm -hmm. I think sometimes that it's a bridge to get people to become your patient eventually, because if they're local, or even if they're not, because you're going to do some remote stuff, they're going to trust you over just whoever they pulled up on Google. So you're building this bridge. I'm just curious if you've done the analytics to see how many people have been in your membership that then turn into patients. So what's really interesting about that is in the beginning, it was a lot of the opposite. It was a lot of people who were already my patients that were dying to have more information about Chinese medicine. And that was one of the things that really prompted the membership for me in the first place was that I wanted to be able to educate 
on a larger scale rather than you know, sitting in a treatment room for 30 minutes, spouting off the same thing to patient after patient after patient. That's not, it's not a good use of my time. And they're not able to retain it as well, typically when they're in the treatment situation, because they're there to receive treatment. And it's a different headspace than, you know, I'm here to, I'm here to learn something. And so that was, that was one of the motivations for it. It was also exactly what you said, it's a bridge. But for me, I was finding that on social media, there were all of these people who were wanting support, wanting information, but wanting like entry level information. They weren't necessarily ready to work with me one on one. That's a little higher investment. So I wanted to have some like a lower ticket entry level offer to be that bridge, exactly as you're saying. And then, you know, you, it takes a while to nurture these relationships. There is starting to be some crossover between online community members who are seeking additional support beyond that. In fact, I had an inquiry about that just this morning. That is going to continue to build as the community builds, but it's just serving so many purposes for me because it's it's adding value to the patients that I'm seeing in person. And a lot of these people who are online that are far away from me that I never would have really the opportunity to work with and, and maybe don't have any practitioners in their area are now able to at least have that entry level step in. So I think it works both ways and it works even more synergistically than I knew it would. You're benefiting the acupuncture community, the Chinese medicine community. You're educating people who may be on the other side of the world. I really like it. One of the things too that we also need to take into account is in the big picture of everything, this is just the beginning. This is small, kind of like you didn't really realize that Instagram was going to be so good for you. This community, I think, is really what's next. I think it's really important, this this membership. But we can only do so much with the amount of time that we have. What I really hope for in the future is the, the ability to interact, to create a forum of sorts so that we can really understand the questions that people have and be able to connect with them on that level too. I just really like this model a lot. So tell me about the focus of your practice. How did you get to acupuncture? How did you ever decide to go to school? So it was kind of, it really sort of happened by chance. I mentioned that I grew up with that as a part of my experience in a small way. I was a track athlete in high school and I had terrible shin splints and my mom and sister had both been seeing an acupuncturist in town for other things, headaches, I think. And my mom suggested that I try it. And I remember going back to track practice the next day and telling anybody who would listen, I feel like I'm walking on a cloud. This is amazing. Like I was totally blown away by it. And then it kind of dropped off my radar again until college rolled around and the time that you're supposed to be figuring out your life. And I really had no idea what exactly I wanted to do. I knew what I didn't want to do. And from there, I stumbled upon the school on Google. And when I went to tour, it was just an immediate click. I knew right away that this was the thing. I know, (laughs) I know. And I do not take that lightly. No, well, that was a gift. And that's, that's great. And so who do you treat? Who comes to see you? I started out wanting to specialize in pediatrics. And that was largely because one, I didn't learn a lot about it in school. So I thought, oh, this will be interesting. And I knew 
you know, that I was pregnant and going to be having a child. And why wouldn't I learn how to use mm-hmm. the medicine that I just devoted my life to, to take care of my child. So it was a combination of wanting to care for my daughter that way and feeling like and knowing that there were a lot of gaps in Western pediatric healthcare. So from there, I kind of stumbled into women's health also. I I knew I knew that that was going to be part of the puzzle, but I was really so like blinder focused on pediatrics and then I started just by chance talking about women's health on social media and the response was insane. With pediatrics, I kind of felt like I was, you know, pushing a boulder up a hill and trying to convince people to do something for their children that they didn't even feel confident in for themselves. And I think it was, you know, it was such a big leap. So it took more. And while it was working, while it was converting, I was efforting it every single time. And from this women's health response that I got, I was like, okay, I'll pay attention. When something gets easy, I I continuously go in that direction because I'm all about how easy can this be? How simple can I make this? And my tendency as a human is to always overcomplicate. So that's been running in the background of my head since beginning my practice. What is the easiest way? Let it be simple. Let it be easy. And then I realized suddenly, of course, I'm passionate about this. And it just the same as with pediatrics, there is such a such a hole, a gaping hole in Western medicine, women's health care. And, you know, everything from painful periods to endometriosis to fertility to postnatal care, all the things. There are just a lot of women who are falling through the cracks. And so it was very easy for me to get passionate about that. And the response, like I said, was so high that that became a large part of it too. And then with that, I think with anything, there is an aspect of the mental health component, especially from what we know to be true about Chinese medicine, that emotions are, you know, foundational to all that's going on. So, and that was part of my, my personal journey with Chinese medicine too. So that has been woven in along the way as well. Yeah. I love this. If it were easy, what would it look like? Yep. If it were easy, what would this look like? It's such a huge basic business life principle that we tend to really get in our own ways. <laughs> and and it really shows up in business. If you're a very heady person and you're spleeny and you're overthinking everything all the time, this is really, this is your friend in business. If this were simple, what would it look like? One of my other favorites, which you, you, um, alluded to that I always go back to as well. When you're in business and you're trying to make something happen, like if you're pushing on doors and pushing on doors and pushing on doors and pushing and they're not opening, it means two things. It means either no or not right now. So you're better off if you shift a little bit and try and push on another door and see what happens and see how that happened for you. It was a cascade effect. Like you were like, man, this is not easy. This feels hard. Let's go push on another door. And you pushed on the women's health door and you had this like dominoes effect, right? Like women's health opened the door to the the pediatrics. You think you can muscle your way through and make things happen. And if they're not working, especially when you're out there trying to create a livelihood, you don't have time to keep pushing on the door that doesn't open. And the thing that you touched on with the women's health for me was as soon as that door opened, it was so much easier 
to kind of work the pediatrics angle because once a mom trusts you with herself, the next natural thing is that she's going to ask you, well, can this help my son? Can this help my husband? Can this help my mom? So before you know it, you're treating the entire family. And that's so beautiful too. So it was sort of that pivot that allowed me to unlock the door to pediatrics, whereas before it was just too too big of an ask. And that's not to say it would be for anybody in any situation, but for me in mine, it was. And so that little pivot really made all the difference. I think it's really important to remember that there's there's no badge of honor for tying yourself to something that's not working. You know what I mean? I think we get overly committed to our ideas and we can't see the forest through the trees. And you know, like I said, I had my blinders on with pediatrics and I wasn't noticing necessarily all of these micro opportunities that I wasn't saying yes to or I wasn't aware of because I had those blinders on. So if you get stuck, I think the first thing to do is to to pull back and broaden your lens and also be willing to develop the awareness that what you did wasn't working and to be okay with that. It doesn't matter to me that it didn't work because it led me to something that did. And even if it didn't, it still wouldn't matter because I learned something from it. That's why I love my little saying. It either means no or not right now. Especially with the not right now, it just means you can move on and maybe you can come back to it later. It's going to be okay. I had to do that when I started my massage practice. Those were the days before the internet. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. you had to knock on doors and you go around to all the businesses around you and introduce yourself and try and form collaborative ways of working. And some people were really amazing and were into it. And some people you'd be like, oh, I want to work with this person and I want to do this. And you couldn't get them be interested in you at all or even answer the phone or send an email back or anything. And I'm like, well, maybe just not right now because you never know where people are. I'm really sensitive. When that felt like rejection, that was so much easier for me to handle than than I hate you. I don't want to work with you. Right. (laughs) All the things that can go through your head, which are completely not worth even just the time. Yep. And nine times out of 10, it's not about you anyway. And this goes for patients too, is that if a patient drops off, you know, isn't following through with their care plan or stop seeing you for whatever reason, it is, I would, I would go so far as, you know, 9.9 times out of 10, it has nothing to do with you and whatever story that you make up in your head about what that means is actually just reflective of a narrative that you need to shift within your own mindset and not anything about the reality of their situation. I totally agree with that. And that is a really good point to bring up because if you're a brand new practitioner, and you're really trying to do a good job and you're really trying to serve people. I think you you can over question so many things like, did I mess up the intake? Why didn't they reschedule? You know, why didn't they come back? Why didn't they? Well, you could have. So it's important to reevaluate and take a look at where you could improve your process. But Katri is so true. It's so true. Much more of the time something happened and it's not about you. It's really not. And it's so much easier just to move on. <laughs> Absolutely. And as soon as you're able to do that, then pretty soon those people that you thought dropped off because of something you did are now back on your schedule because, you know, it's six months later and they saw a post that you posted and you're back on their radar now. So as soon as you move through your own stuff about it in your head, then you're available for them to kind of come back on an energetic level. 
You're doing a really great job of queuing up some great topics that I haven't really thought about in a while. I don't want to highlight anything negative, but but we all struggle. So where would you say your weak points are? Of course I have them. Absolutely. I would say the a, a really big challenge for me is navigating what often feels like two babies at once. My daughter, I'm a single mother. And so that is a full-time job. And then, you know, the job is a full-time job. And so there are moments and I've, I've gotten a lot clearer on, on how not to make myself go insane be, just through trial and error. But, you know, there's an ever-changing balance as there is with everything all the time anyway. But in my case, it was how do I fulfill the drive that I have? And how do I grow my business to the scale that I know I'm capable of, while being gentle with myself and being present for my child? I I tend to get singularly focused, which I, you know, mentioned in another area already. So I think it's no accident that I had my daughter when I did, because not only did she light a fire for me, she also helps me to stay present and to not overdo it and not work myself to death, essentially, because this business feels like an expression of my soul. And I could do it to no end. Yeah, it's if you enjoy being an entrepreneur, it can be addictive. And it really is hard to shut it down because it feels like it's so energizing that you just want to keep going, going, going and ticking off the boxes and doing the things. But if you don't ever just turn the lights off and shut it down, you're missing a whole huge other part of your life. I I find this happens to me too. Like I I get charged from business. I force myself Mm -hmm. to get on my bike, do an hour and a half on my bike before the podcast because it makes me a better person. It makes me more present. It makes me focused. It makes me feel balanced. It makes me like myself more. You know, it makes me so... What what have you found? Like what works for you? So the what I know to be true now that has changed everything is that it's so much less about the doing of anything and it's so much more about the energy with which you do it. So if I'm hurrying through, you know, 10 tasks in a day while multitasking, trying to corral my toddler. First of all, I am going to lose my mind and have a miserable day. And second of all, none of the jobs are going to get done very well. And we know this to be true that multitasking isn't necessarily very effective, but I had to learn to slow it down. So what I do now that works really well is I reserve a block of time in the morning. I don't work until the afternoon because I know that way I have the way my alarm set and what time my daughter wakes up, I have about 45 minutes to wake up, have a hot drink, read something, you know, write, write some things down, process some things, maybe move my body, whatever it needs to look like that day to get in the energetic space that will allow me to be who Mm -hmm. I need to be in the day, both as a mom and as a business owner. And then I am a mom first. And then uh, when she has her quiet time or her nap, then I turn my business hat on. And then everything else isn't a distraction anymore, because it's already done. This is in a perfect world, there are days where I have to go back and re get my mind right, you know, 20 times throughout the day. But that is always the priority now, rather Mm -hmm. than doing something in a state other than, you know, from my center and from 
my soul and from my purpose, not from fear, not from, oh my gosh, I didn't do this yet. Not from, oh, if I don't, if I don't show up today, I'm not going to get any, you know, new patients this week, not from any other place than this is what's aligned right now. And so it's what I will do. And there's way less to do when you do life that way as well, because you're not just doing the things to check boxes. You're doing it because it's aligned. More about that. I'm seeing you turned your entrepreneur hat on when she went goes to bed. <laughs> that seems like that might be challenging. Or is it that you're just fulfilled over here? You had some great time with her. And because of that, kind of like me getting off the bike, now that I've had that time, I feel really charged to go over here and do this now. Yeah, I would say it's more it's more of that. And I try to fill the morning with maybe I take her to the park or she goes to her gymnastics class or she does something. Because if I'm sitting at home, I'm going to be thinking about work mm -hmm. most of the time. So we get outside a lot. We do we do things, something to sort of fill her cup in that first half of the day. And then I'm really, I look forward to working. <laughs> so, well, in one, because it's, it's, being being a mom gets it gets mundane it gets frustrating it gets exhausting it gets you know fill in the blank and so it's mm -hmm. nice to do something in your day that you feel accomplished about and that you feel you've made a difference in some small way because it doesn't always feel like that to be a mom so i i really look forward to my block of time that's work related and usually i can knock everything that needs to get done out during that time and then after she goes to bed, sometimes I work because I want to, and sometimes I don't. It just depends on the day. But it used to be a lot about rush and force and worry and fear, and I have to. And it's, it's, not, it's not that anymore, and it feels so much better. And when I tell you I'm doing way less than I used to do, and it's way more effective, that's not an exaggeration. I'm doing way less. Yeah, it's this... I. I... I liken this to, and I, mean, I go back to metaphors all the time, but when you're relaxed, it's easier for things to flow. Yeah. It's easier for your ideas to happen. It's easier for you to accomplish the things that you need to accomplish. It's easier to see the gratitude in the things that are there that are coming your way. And I, I liken this to like, I've worked with athletes, right? So my athletes are in my background. If you're an athlete, there's this thing called athletic position. And to give you guys the visual, it's sort of like what a goalie, if you look at, at a goalie as they're watching the field, they're in this position where they're in like a slight squat or like uh, in hockey, similar, like kind of bent. But in that position, there is no joint that's locked out. And that's because they have to be really fast to engage all of their muscles at once and to get them to go. So if you're standing there and you're tensed and that ball comes your way, you have to release all of those muscles and then contract them to get yourself going in the right direction. But if you're in an athletic position, then everything's flowing, everything's, you're relaxed, everything's ready, and then you can go. It's so, I was just thinking about this the other day, it's so similar with business and with anything in life, really. If you're in, you know, if you're in tree pose, you're, you're, flowing. You're relaxed. And it's just like that too. You can't get too clenched on your ideas of business and the things that you need to accomplish. And you're, you go, 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 you're tense and you're stressed. As soon as you relax, it flows. It's so hard to get there though, isn't it? Yeah. And it's the minute that you 
Yeah. It's the minute that you relax into the present that all of a sudden there's flow. And a tip that I'll share around this is that like, find the things that unlock you. Like you said, the bike unlocks you and gets you back in flow. I know taking a shower, like the idea is just flow. Mm -hmm. And that is my space when I need to unlock. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, there's a couple other things too. Maybe it's a workout and it might be a different thing every day, depending on what you need. But really, ultimately, it's just do whatever you need to get in flow. And the rest will unfold and it will be easy or it will feel easy. Yeah. So you guys, you're, if you're listening still, not, not <laughs> if you're listening, but of course you are, but uh, you know, pay attention, maybe make a list of those things that get you in flow because you have to know what it is first before you can get there. It's a practice, just like everything. It's a really a practice. So that's great. I'm really happy for you that, that you're in a space where you're able to relax a little bit and things are flowing really well. Okay, I'm going to shift a little bit and give the, the questions that I give most of my practitioners. I'm curious if you have a mission statement or if you've ever addressed a mission statement or a value statement. I have visited the concept a few times and... There may even be one on my website and I have not looked <laughs> like I, I wrote it, but who knows what I said. Uh, that was a different version of me. A different I think day. it'd be really, yeah, no, but I think it'd be really cool to go back and take a look at it because totally. I, probably what happened is you accomplished it. Yeah. You know, probably what happened is you haven't thought about it because you've accomplished it and you're transitioning right now. You guys, she's just moving into a new clinic, which we'll come to that in a minute. Cause I want to talk about that a little bit too. Yeah. Do you do you write down your goals? Do you set goals? What does that look like? I do. I am the queen of post-its. <laughs> I also have a paper planner. I tried here we go again with this. I tried to force myself into using like Google Calendar or using my calendar on my phone and it is not my thing. And once I let myself go back to a paper calendar, I like my life fell into place because I could block, <laughs> I could block time. I could sit down and brain dump. I could do all the things that were not flowing when I was trying to do it uh, digitally. And it just is not my style. So there, there's another example of that. I typically, every Monday, I have a two hour window between when childcare happens and when I start seeing patients. And that time I brain dump for the whole week so that all of the jumbled up mess that's in my head gets out on paper and then I can like breathe and think and function again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I do that and I, I have monthly goals. I usually have like an income goal and a new patient goal. I also have a goal about how I want to feel or what I, what I want to call in personally. So there's some, some layers to it. And then I have usually a quarter at a time forecasted. And I actually shouldn't say usually because this is something newer for me to be able to get ahead rather than always feel like I'm just keeping up, which is part of the progression. You start to develop more foresight as you as you go. So anyway, I have quarterly goals, monthly goals, weekly goals, and even daily. So I think that's so important. And I didn't want it to be because I didn't in the beginning, I didn't want that to be important. I wanted to avoid setting goals at all costs in the beginning because it was like, you know, the discomfort of if I don't hit it, what does that say about me? Or what does that, what, what does that mean about me? And now I know that it is necessary to do. And also it, if it hasn't happened, it just means it hasn't happened yet. And there's something 
you know, there's something something that I need to do to remove a block that's in the way of that goal, or I need to just stay the course, or I need to pivot. And feeling into which of those it is, is kind of the magic of, of that. Yeah, working, not working, or dump it. Because sometimes yep. by the time you get there, it's not even important anymore. Totally. You know, I love goals. I've always been a goal setter too. And I I like to have a category of goals that are ridiculous, but fun. Oh, yeah. like if, if I hit that, I don't even know how that's going to happen. I like those. I think they expand your mind and, and you can work towards them and maybe you're never going to get there. I feel like we have to be really careful about goals, which was your resistance in the beginning, right? Who am I if I don't make this goal happen? Yep. <laughs> and this is self-evaluation. Who are you? Who cares? Can you love yourself even if you don't hit that goal? Okay. You know, get there first. Exactly. You know, and then set the goals and then love yourself even if you don't make the goals or love yourself if you don't feel good or love yourself if some life thing happens and you can't get there or who cares? But kind of like you just said, they're huge, aren't they? They give you a roadmap. They give you a plan. And what's really fun is at the end of the year, this is why I like paper too, you can flip back through to last January and go, oh, hell yeah. I mean, I freaking rocked this, <laughs> you know? And oh, you know what? All of these other things happened because I set that goal and headed in that direction, even though I didn't accomplish that goal. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I love goals. <laughs> yep, me too. And when you when you mentioned about setting these expansive and goal goals that make you make you think you might be crazy, you <laughs> you absolutely have to do that and you for a couple of reasons. And one is that expanding your energy to that place makes the other like step-by-step -step goals that you set along the way seem so much more attainable. And you have to be in the energy of it feeling possible for it to be possible. So by setting that huge goal, now your middle of the road goal is like, oh, piece of cake. Also, you don't have to know how it's going to happen. You just have to stay in flow of doing the next right thing and trust. You know, we don't have to roll the boulder all the way up the hill. We don't have to effort it. We just have to be clear about what we want and be willing to do our part. Yeah. And I think sometimes if you set the goal, even if you don't know how you're going to get there, if you start thinking about it or talking about it to people who you trust, then other people have ideas or there are things that you haven't even thought of to get there. I'm going to give a really good example. I'm like Jones and to share this. I set this goal to build a tiny house on wheels. This was in 2013. And guess who's lived in a tiny house on wheels that I built with help? I've lived in this house for eight years that I built. Amazing. And I had, so cool. I had no idea how that was going to happen. I really mm -hmm. did. I had zero idea how that was going to come together. I just knew it was going to work. And it did. It was, it's one of the most coolest things ever. So I never sideline any really bizarre, cool goal that I have because they can happen. They don't always happen, but they can. So tell me about, let's go, let's do a quick tech review. I like to do this because I think a lot of times new practitioners don't even know anything about where to start and where to go and how to do things. And maybe I'm just speaking for myself because I'm older and I was super tech challenged, but who's, who's your website host? My website host is Simplero. It was Weebly up until sometime last year. 
And it's Simplero now because it's an easy way to host any classes that you develop or your membership, et cetera, right? Exactly. I just upgraded when I needed more functionality, mm-hmm. but Weebly served me really well for almost three years. three years. Yeah. And then do you use electronic health records? I do. I have unified practice and I have had that since day one and it is functional and fine. And that's another thing I try not to do is get caught up in the minutia of like, you know, one EHR versus another, you tend to get bogged down in that. And so I think you do a little bit bit of research, you go with what feels right, and you don't think twice about it, because your your energy is too precious to be wasted on those kinds of conundrums. Yes, this was in an episode of mine, like I did a review of the top three. And really, those are the three you should choose from. Boom, there you go. That's in how to start an acupuncture practice. Too. So, yeah. And I do quick reviews on all of the things, but that was, that's true. And they're all very similar. So, the top three, pick, pick one and go. What about malpractice insurance? I have CMNF. Also, honestly, I think the best. And then you use Instagram and you're on Facebook as well. Okay. And we'll put all this in the the show notes so you guys can go take a look at at what Katri is doing because it's pretty awesome. And then, what else am I missing? Do you dial stuff up in Hootsuite? What's your, how do you dial up and program your uh, Instagram stuff? Up until about maybe six months ago, I did not do any of oh that. Oh my gosh, you did it? <laughs> you did everything on the fly? Are you crazy? Yeah. Oh well, my God. Or, or I would just have, you know, captions in a Google Doc. And, and this is actually something I still do. When inspiration hits, I use the notes app in my phone and I'll just write it all out or voice text it so that I can Mm -hmm. circle back when I am in a content creation space and then, you know, continue to build it out and set it up. But yeah, no, I, I resisted doing that for a long time too. And I now use Planoly. I used the free version for a long time. The only reason for probably up until a few weeks ago, actually, I switched to the paid version because I wanted to be able to push it out to both Instagram, any posts out to both Instagram and Facebook at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, a paid function, but it was worth it to me because it was taking a ridiculous amount of my time and energy to take the time to do that. So it was worth it. But yeah, you don't, you wouldn't have to do paid to begin with necessarily. And until you find the platform you love, I wouldn't even. Yeah, you don't. Like I, I use Hootsuite when I'm doing it and it's easy enough to program and you can actually push it to two platforms, I think, with Hootsuite. Oh, cool. Yeah. But you don't get any feedback, analytics or anything. Okay. When you're putting out content, do you recycle content? In other words, like when I'm doing my AccuSprout stuff, I will take a chunk of the show notes and use that information in the Instagram post because it's so much faster. Same thing with my show notes. When I do show notes on my my website page for my show, I just cut and copy and paste that and use those as the show notes that you guys see in iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or you know, or Spotify when you read about the show that's coming up. Do you do that with your Instagram posts too? I am starting to recycle content even from like, I'll go back in the archives and upgrade or update posts from two years ago. And maybe I'll update the graphic, maybe I'll change some of the text, whatever. Mm -hmm. So I've started to do that now, because since I've been 
doing this basically every day for the past three and a half years, I have a lot to pull from and it would be silly not to use that. Also, everything that goes to Instagram, I would say 90% of the stuff that goes to Instagram also goes to Facebook. Mm -hmm. Reels are very popular right now and those can't be posted to Facebook in a way that I like. So those don't go. But any static posts, anything that can, the exact same thing goes to both platforms. And sometimes I will pull chunks from a social media post and put that as a newsletter or vice versa. I will write a newsletter and then part of that or all of that will be a social media post. So I do repurpose stuff quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And I think I, I had resistance to that at first because I thought like, well, if people are seeing it on one platform, they wouldn't want to see the same thing on mm-hmm. another platform. But that's just that's just not true. The likelihood that someone sees it on both platforms is one, not high, and two, they don't actually care. And if you can catch them on Instagram, awesome. If you can catch them on Facebook, awesome. If you can catch them in their inbox through a newsletter, also awesome. And the more the more you are, you know, putting yourself in front of them, the better actually, because you stay top of mind. Yeah, touch points. The more touch points you can have with people, the better. But crossing over platforms is super smart because the demographics are different. You're going to get hot, hot flashes off of Facebook and infertility off of Instagram. You know, it's different demographics there for sure. And that's just the way it works. And that's why you want to be on a couple platforms if you have time. I'm saying this to the other practitioners. If you're new, start with one. And if, but the thing is, you have to be like, hey, you have to be consistent, you know? So otherwise don't do it really. And you do every day, don't you? I do. Sometimes. Yeah. But to be honest with you, that felt so arduous to me at a previous point when I, when I was first learning about what was required in order to Mm -hmm. go anywhere on social media it Mm -hmm. felt like that's never going to be possible. Now, I can't imagine not. And when I first started going on Instagram stories, like I never, I never used stories at all. And then I I knew that I needed to and I started doing it. And it felt like a whole lot of work. And now it's just second nature. So it will feel overwhelming at first, but do it anyway, and do it imperfectly. And it will not always feel that hard. Yeah. And you guys, I think you only have to really to get the algorithms to work in your favor, you have to do it at least twice a week. You don't really need to do it every day. If you can do it every day, heck yeah. And I think Katri is saying eventually it becomes like brushing your teeth. (laughs) So it's possible, but don't burn yourself out in the beginning. Just kind of cut your teeth on it and make a commitment to do it twice a week until you learn how to do stuff. And then then you can up your game. But I was looking into this, the value of hiring somebody to do your social media marketing. I did a little research recently. It can be anywhere from like 1500 is really about the going rate to have somebody do this for you per month to put one post out. And the problem with hiring somebody to do it is they don't understand the content. And so they're going to make you look stupid because they don't, not stupid, but I don't mean to be harsh, but they're, they're not going to be do true justice to the medicine because they don't know what they're talking about. So you really, you're really challenged to hire somebody to do your social media marketing. Yeah. And they're not you. And that's Mm -hmm. what ultimately matters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's see here. Winding down. My mission statement with the AccuSprout is to 
do these podcasts to inspire and inform new practitioners and help them get to their vision of success in the first couple of years. What is your vision of success? First of all, that gave me goosebumps. Second of all, my, (laughs) my version of success continues to evolve. I guess for me, success is a metric that I look at on a daily, on a daily level and, you know, on a, on a larger scale as well. It's just, did I show up as me today? And did I, did I live in a way that was in alignment with what I'm here to do? There is no monetary benchmark. There is no external thing that would equal success for me. There are things that come monetary goals and, you know, dream clinic spaces and other things that have come as a result of my, my success, which through my definition is just living in my purpose and, you know, staying in my zone of genius as much as possible. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't define my success by any of those things. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's amazing. It's beautiful. And it's, it's resounding. I just love the people who practice this medicine. I'm getting all emotional and ridiculous. (laughs) I love doing these interviews because everybody comes from the heart so much so and gets back down to this groundedness of, I just want to be the best version of me and live in my greatest potential of what my life path and what I'm putting on the planet to do is, you know, that that's, it's so, it's so inspiring. And I really hope that it inspires the people who listen. I love your vision of success and I I wish you your vision of success. And I think that you will continue this amazing, beautiful life. I'm going to close this down on that because that was really beautiful. Is there anything else that you would like to share with the new practitioners? The thing that I would say to a new practitioner would be trust yourself because you even when you don't know, you know. And that applies to the day-to-day running a business stuff, to the marketing, to the treatment strategy, to the work-life balance, all the things. Trust yourself because even when you don't know, you know. Awesome. Why don't you close out with where people can find you? Sure. So (laughs) my name is Katria Thiel. My practice is Connected Healing. And I, my physical practice is located in Southern Wisconsin. You can find me on social media, on Instagram. I am Connected Healing Katria or at Connected Healing Katria. On Facebook, it's just Connected Healing is the name of my page. And my website is ConnectedHealingLLC.com. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on today. I really had a great time with you. I did too. Thanks for having me. That's it. That's the end of the show. Thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate you guys. And if you appreciate this podcast, it would be amazing if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a great review. And if you don't like what I'm doing, then that's okay. No worries. Just skip it.